Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. It is your Thursday podcast edition. Typically, at this time, you would get your Behind Enemy Lines segment uh, of the week, but we are going to push that back to Saturday, seeing as how it's a repeat opponent. I have a great guest coming up for that. Today, we have an even better guest for Cleveland Browns content as we are still sort of processing the bye week, trying to figure out a lot of... uh, where the Browns are going, what they can do, the belief around the team. I've had some great guests on this week. Nathan Zagura, uh, obviously, of the in-house Browns network. And then uh, Jake Trotter of ESPN. Go listen to those from earlier in the week. Today we have another good one, which I'll talk to you about in just a minute. News and notes around the Browns. Not really much happening today. Some discussions from players. Grant Delpit about uh, the ramifications of his injury and the slow process it's been for him to get back. Denzel Ward talked about his mother, her impact on his Walter Payton year, Man of the Year nomination from the Browns. And then we got a little bit from Baker Mayfield about his general health. thing that stood out to me was the injury report, where I always like to update you guys midweek. Harrison Bryant did not practice. Malik Jackson did not practice. Jarvis Landry, a bit surprising coming off the bye, did not practice. Probably speaks to the magnitude of the knee he's dealing with. Baker did practice, full practice for him with the left shoulder and foot con- foot issues. Uh, Anthony Schwartz remains in concussion protocol. I've seen some people asking a ton of questions about this. All I need to say here is that concussion recovery is not the same person to person, and it can sometimes take guys up to two months. I've seen guys miss full seasons because they can't get right. We know how delicate concussions are, and I truly don't think we should be questioning Anthony Schwartz being in concussion protocol still. It's not a choice for him. There's something going on there. You really hope he can come back okay by the end of the year. They could use his services. I don't think he's voluntarily sitting out for whatever reason with the concussion. I definitely think it's having some ramifications, and that hit was nasty, absolutely nasty in New England that he dealt with. Sione Takitaki practice full. He's on there with the shoulder. And then J.C. Treader with his usual knee limitation. Uh, otherwise, Ronnie Harrison limited practice. And that about wraps it up for the Browns. Not That's the smallest injury listing for the Browns I have seen all year, except for the very beginning of the football season. The Ravens dealing with far, 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 uh, you know, more, more, let's say it this way, more injury issues. Uh, not just the guys put on IR, but... Anthony Averett, the important corner for them, did not practice. Uh, Nick Boyle, Calais Campbell with an illness, didn't practice. Uh, going down the list, Justin Houston, he's a, a rest guy. Um, Anthony Levine, a DB slash linebacker for them, does a little bit of everything. He didn't practice. Patrick McCarry didn't practice. Patrick Ricard, their fullback or U-back or superback, whatever you want to call him, he didn't practice. And Chris Westry on the injured list as well, but he should be back. But the, the Ravens are dealing with more. Obviously lost Marlon Humphrey, a lot going on there. Um, But, you know, this is the best situation the Browns have been in with injuries in a while, and that's something to feel really, really optimistic about. Even down David Njoku, we'll see if we get any update on him later in the week. But relatively quiet day. Just wanted to update you on the injuries. We're going to go talk to Andre Knott now, obviously Brownstown. We're going to talk about that, his Blue Wire Podcast Network show. 
fantastic guest. This is such a good interview. Andre's one of the <laughs> the most fun Cleveland media personalities going. Talk about everything around the Browns. Talk about the Cavs a little bit as well, which I think is fun because he's doing, obviously, their sideline reporting work as well. So, yeah, enjoy this episode. I think it's a great one. Let's get over to that interview right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Okay, if you have not listened to Brownstown yet, you should obviously have done it already. There are 15 total episodes. We have the host, Andre, not here. He's gracious enough with his time to give us his insight on where the Browns are. Like I said, 15 episodes, only one, Andre, is an actual positive episode. And it talks about last year having the right guys in place and all the things they overcame. Now, fast forward a year. I don't know if you're going to add another episode or not, but fast forward a year. They're six and six, and all of a sudden people are waning in their belief of Kevin and Andrew and some of these guys. Is it totally misguided and it's just been a rough year? Or should there be like a little, eh, maybe that first year was a little bit of a uh, weird <laughs> circumstance thing? <laughs> Jake, that's it's the million-dollar question, and thanks for having me. Um, It's funny that this season, doing Brownstown was, was so therapeutic for me, and it, it wasn't about me, but it was therapeutic because we were able to go through so many different – uh, you know, different things. And so many people would be like, hey, you could have did more on this. You could have did more on that. And and we kind of chuckle and we're like, actually, we didn't want to make it, you know, just beat ourselves over the head with the same stories. And there have been a couple Sundays where I get the tweets of, hey, man, this is a this is another Brownstown episode. <laughs> and, and, I, and I chuckle because everybody's like, oh, you got to start a new one. And, and we're like, let's let the season play out. But I will say this to you. I love how you break it down where there was one positive 14 negative and, and you're pretty dead on <laughs> as I think of it. And that wasn't the, that wasn't the uh, goal when we started per se, but I'll say this to you. Um, there were, because we got to talk about, I would say there were one and a half positive, but you're right. But the positive that we took from it was 2007, right? You know, 2007, yeah. everything fell into place. Uh, you know, they, they and, but they couldn't make it in the playoffs because of what the Colts and uh, Titans did the last game of the season. I mentioned that though, because I had probably three of the main three to four of the main people from 2007 
and I can think of them at the top of my head, Josh Cribbs, Romeo Cornell, Phil Savage, and I talked to Derek Anderson, and I talked to Brady Quinn, and to a man, Jake, and I'm so glad, and this is probably the perfect time to have this conversation and no one wants to hear it. I don't know what's going to happen over the next five games. I'm excited for the next five games. But the one thing that that quartet that I just mentioned mentioned to me was that the difference in 2007 and 2008 was literally inches. Uh, you know, Josh Cribbs was the first one to say it. Josh was like, we were just as good in 08. Things just, the ball didn't bounce our way. Or, you know, things that went our way in 07, for whatever reason, it just didn't come out the same way in 08. And Phil Savage, who was the general manager at the time. And, and I guess what I'm trying to say nicely, and I know everybody doesn't want to hear this, is that sometimes you go through this type of year where you go through the growing pains to get to the other side of being really good. And I know that that wasn't kind of that wasn't the thought process for any of us back in August or September. But Phil Savage kind of said, man, if we would have had one more year after 08, I really feel like we would have took taken off because we had gone through a period of the 07 where everything went so right. You win 10 games. You're the toast of the town. Everybody wants new contracts. Everybody, you know, everybody's putting you on every, you know, uh, primetime game. And he goes, and that goes to your head a little bit. And then and he goes, and, you know, in 08, we kind of got smacked in the, in the face a little bit and realized that, yeah, we were still good, but there were some things we needed to fine tune. My long-winded answer of that question, Jake, <laughs> is what I just said. And I think we're going through a little bit of that in 21. We're seeing that, um, you know, I, I read a tweet earlier today. I saw someone saying, I kind of agree with it. It's amazing to me in Cleveland that Kevin Stefanski can go from coach of the year. Um, we're calling him a genius, the perfect play caller, all of those things 12 months ago. And it's like sometimes you go to Twitter, and, and I know that's not the best place to, to rate things, or you go to Twitter and you go to you know, sports radio, and, and suddenly he's the worst coach of all time. Now, as I've learned in baseball, um, and this is one of the things I've learned being around baseball every day, you're never as good as what you think you are. You're never as bad as what people tell you. You're somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's right where the Browns are right now. And the record states that, right? They're six and six. Kevin Stefanski, you know, people were able to go on the offseason and study everything the Browns did positively last year. People were able to go on the offseason and say, hey, you know, especially the Ravens, Steelers, and Bengals, who the Browns have struggled against all. Uh, they were able to say when they go to this formation where they do this, uh, this is how we're going to go against them. This is what we're going to do. We've seen defenses. I know you've seen them. Uh, where they're selling out early in the game against the run so they don't get r- the run game going. Um, there have been a lot of things that have happened, and now it's time for the Browns and Kevin Stefanski and his coaching staff to counteract, and we haven't even talked about injuries and who's playing and who's not playing. It's weird. I think that I, I've been guilty of this too. I think you you really do start to believe that once your team figures it out, once they put together a great season, it's linear. It's automatic upward trajectory they go from 11 wins then they go to 12 wins and they go to 14 and hey man we're a Super Bowl team but it doesn't always work out that way for a myriad of different reasons I think there's some important things to remember and you can correct me if I'm wrong and maybe my expectations as I've sort of checked myself at the midway point here I know we're not really midway we're kind of (laughs) two-thirds but the Browns have not had back-to-back winning seasons since 89-90 so if they were able to put together a 9-8 season while disappointing and might ultimately miss the playoffs you have to view that that is some sort of modicum of success to be able to put together two back-to-back relatively successful seasons. Totally agree. And and then two, 
you know, everybody wants to measure themselves with the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Well, understand, they did make that miracle run to the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. I believe, and in, in, in the fact checkers who listen to this might tell me I'm wrong, but <laughs> I think they went 9-7 and seven the next year and missed the playoffs. So there's... It's not just a step-by-step progression. I do think that there are things this year that have been enormously frustrating, things we didn't expect in life. Expectations are really the downfall. I mean, you expect something and it doesn't happen, and it really starts to sway your patience, your belief, your understanding. We're in the midst of that, and as I do this too, I have to stop sometimes and say, am I being too knee-jerk? I think I've been a little too hard on them. Maybe the bye week is good for everybody involved, I guess. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But that's what I want people to try to maybe wrap their mind around. They've got some tough games remaining. I mean, Baltimore, although they're not as good as they have been, is a challenging team that is something that Cleveland has not overcome enough. And then they go, you know, they got the Raiders, then they go to Lambeau, all tough. I just kind of want to remind people, and again, like I said, feel free to say, Jake, I think your expectations should be higher. But like, if they're able to get to 10 and 7, 9 and 8, whatever, and they maybe miss the playoffs, or maybe they make it, it's a reminder that patience should be the lesson in this division. It should be like, look at Harbaugh, look at Tomlin, look at the patience they had with Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati. Let's let this play out over five years and see what we got after five years, right? Jay, you're preaching, man. And I know it's not. And like you said, I think the bye week is good for all of us because um, we all do get so it's the we are the the Cleveland Browns are the best ride Cedar Point could ever have. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like we're we're so up and down and we're and, and our emotions are so gone that it is hard to give a rational thought process on this. And, and I know that I've said for years, you know, you have to look at Baltimore, you have to look at Pittsburgh. And I was talking to a Steelers fan and I, and look, I can't stand the Steelers like everyone else, but there is a respect from my point of view of who they are and what they are. And I think Baltimore is in that same category. Yeah. They win games at times. They have no business winning, but they win them because of who they are. And how do you, how do you, how do you get that? You know what I mean? Like, how do you get that? Um, You know, as an organization, you have an identity. And I think the Browns have been searching for an identity, heck, since 99. And I think that's why we all have to be careful with our knee-jerk, not so much us, but I think the guys in Berea, starting with ownership down, have to be very careful with the knee-jerk reaction to any of this season because to build an identity, sometimes you have to go through this. And to be honest, with five games left, and this is going to sound weird, if they win eight or nine games – that is a positive, as, as you said, when you think about them not having winning back-to-back seasons since 89, I think you said, which made my, my eyes shake, but it's true. <laughs> I mean, being able to be successful in the NFL comes in a lot of different shapes and forms. Mm-hmm. And when you have a coach of the year, and I think we're just, I'm starting with Stefanski, we haven't even got to the quarterback play or anything else. To me, finding an identity of an organization it's not always easy. And and I think part of it is, is finding out who you are. As my dad always used to say to me, and he still says it to me to this day, it's easy to know who your friends are when things are going well. You find out your real friends when things are going bad, right? Yeah. You find out how great your organization is in the worst of situations. Like the Steelers can look back at the last week, and, and, I, and I don't like them, but I'm using it as an example. They can look back at a week ago. And all of national media and all of Pittsburgh and all of the AFC was writing them off. Ben Roethlisberger rumors were out that he was done. What is, you know, Ryan Clark's on ESPN, a former Steeler, saying they've lost and forgotten their identity and who they are. How could they let the Bengals do this to them? And I got to say, I was on the sidecar going, he's right. He's right. 
And what did they go out and do last week? <laughs> you know, they they yeah. went out and they showed their identity and said, yeah, we're not as good as we used to be, but we will go back to the, our true identity. The Baltimore Ravens, to me, have done that all season long. Um, and, and I guess I'm saying in a long-winded way, I think the Browns are finding who their true identity is. And this is just a part of the journey that most of us probably weren't ready for because we feel like we've been through so much already. We don't need to go through this crap, but we do. Yeah, yeah you, the last thing Browns fans want to hear is be patient. I mean, right. that's like, what do you want us to do? We've been patient forever, but it is it is different. You can't judge the success of this regime off the failures of the ones before that. You have to kind of, too, stay, take a step back and say, is the process they're using great? Is that right? Not the results necessarily, because sometimes just judging results can get you in really deep analysis trouble because of razor thin margins for error in the NFL. I mean, the Browns could so easily be nine and three right now. And I'm sure that's what frustrates people the most. You see a good team and you're like, how the world did they fall to six and six? So, I mean, what I'm doing with yourself, with Zagura, with Trotter is trying to bring perspectives about where they're at, where they can go and have some opinions on what they have to do to get there, Andre. So you've watched it, you've deciphered it. And when you've had time, I know you're busy with the calves and whatnot. They keep you busy up there. It's, it's what do you think has to turn? Is it the quarterback play? Is it the offensive play calling? Is it is it just, you know, just executing simple schemes? I mean, the offense is the problem. I think the defense we're seeing evolve into a unit that's relatively steady. Agreed. Couple couple games this year that have been a little frustrating bummer, but the offense is the problem. So in your opinion, is it just come out of the bye week stay the course or is it now nah, we should be a little panicked about this group for whatever reason? Yeah, panic. I don't want to use panic, but I I, I want to use a word like that, but I don't want to use panic. Um, because I agree with you with the defense. I'm glad you said that. I feel like I've had so many people, and I've, you know, is the defense perfect? No, is it a little too much bend but not break? Sure. Mm-hmm. Is that how Bill Belichick has won a million rings? Yes. Um, is the 2000 Baltimore Ravens defense the 86 Bears defense coming back through that door? No. Um, so defense is played differently in in this day and time. I think all of us will agree. And I know that everybody doesn't like the schemes that they use at times, but I think with the cornerback play, would I like more pressure? Yes. Um, but I can I can work with this defense. And when you look at the numbers and you look at the points given up and, and, and who they've given them up against, other than the Chargers game, and I'm sure somebody else will yell out another game, I can take this defense. Offensively, what you need is consistency. And I think when you're a running team and everybody's been shouting and yelling – um, the identity of the offense when it's going well, obviously, is Chubb and Hunt. Nobody wants to make injuries an excuse because, well, everyone is injured. And and, and I agree. And I even my buddy Zach Jackson, who I do the A to Z uh, podcast with, and and obviously he covers the Browns for the athletic. We got into it earlier in the year when I was when everybody was complaining about the defense. I go, look, nobody in that starting defense or off or offense had training camp together. None of these guys played in training in in, in scrimmages and. I guess I'm starting to show my age because <laughs> the younger generation goes, ah, that doesn't matter. And I'm going, well, actually it does. Yeah. And offense is a timing mechanism. And if you don't have 11 guys, and, and I just feel like our the offense all year long, Jake, has not had the timing that it takes to be precise. You go back to the first game of the season where they come out with the long play to shorts. It was beautiful. We didn't know. And, and, and Odell, let's be honest, Odell has been the elephant in the room. For whatever reason, and I'm not pointing fingers, you know, that's that's but the problem that I have and this may be higher than Stefanski. 
The problem that I have between the injuries to, to Landry, to whatever was going on with, with Odell, um, the wide receiving core isn't nearly as polished and as, as good as we thought it would be. Yeah. The timing, and, and as I said, and I know you know this because I've watched you break down film and I love it. The timing, and, and you know, whether it's my dad, your dad, or, or Odell's dad putting out videos, um, <laughs> I can I can show you a million guys open, and I can show you a million guys covered. Yeah. It just depends which ones I want to show you. Yeah. And in the NFL, it's not about oh, if you can get open, it's when you get open. And is that timed up with the process that the quarterback is going through? I'm not letting the quarterback off the hook, but for whatever reason, Jake, and I know you've seen it, the timing of this offense just has not clicked. And now is it because the right tackle's been in and out? Is it because the left tackle played with a hurt ankle for, for heck, a month and a half and, and, and couldn't do things? Is it because this offensive line hasn't practiced together? Losing Hunt early in the season killed this team because he, he moved the chains on third downs. When in doubt, they could swing it to him. Mm-hmm. So in saying all of that, um, for an offense that worked like a machine a year ago, it hasn't had any of its parts or pieces to work like that machine. And this, I think, is the first huge hurdle in Kevin Stefanski's coaching career when he's in the spotlight. Um, how do you overcome not having the speed that you need to, to get the safeties to, to stay out of the box? How do you fix have, uh, you know, having a third down back that can block the edge and help you out at left tackle and right tackle? Hey, something that you didn't have to do last year. Right, you watched the film. Yeah. How many times did you have to chip on third and eight, third and seven last year? Not very often. No. This year, it's been a little bit different. Now, these are all little things, but as you know, that adds up to an offense that has no consistency, no identity, and a quarterback that has not played up to what we thought we would play to, but a quarterback that's had to deal with a lot of situations that are very unlike what he went through last year. Yeah, and maybe healthy Baker's able to overcome some of these issues. Maybe he's a little more accurate. Maybe he doesn't miss some of the throws that we're all magnetized on because right. it's like, well, they had these 15 opportunities. And, you know, I get it. It's it's tough. I would say, too, to the people who are like, well, they should have fixed wide receiver in the offseason. Okay, who's taking Jarvis's contract from right. you? Who's taking Odell off of a knee injury? You're okay to run it back with that group. It makes total sense to run it back because there's no value in trying to go plug and play, fix things. You weren't going to overdraft a receiver because who knows? Maybe Odell hit the ground running this year and he's gone crazy and maybe Jarvis doesn't get a knee injury. Now, I think that this is a part of it too. You start to close the gap. What you do with a group in, in the front office and the coaching staff is you close gaps. You start to shrink holes on your roster over time. Earth, you know, this is earth shattering news here. You can't do it in one or two off seasons. It takes a collective run of time. You close the gap on your offense the first year. You close the gap significantly on your defense year two. You start to step back and analyze. Well, we got defensive line interior issues. We got to try to plug up next off season, and we clearly need to revamp wide receiver. If you do those things, you can see where if you get Baker back healthy. You start to see where, okay, this is the makings of a really good roster now fully formed with the same coaching staff for three years. You know, I think uh, Zach's colleague at The Athletic wrote a great piece, Robert Mays, on uh, Vance Joseph and the value of giving Mm -hmm. him a third year in that Cardinals defense and what it has done for them to do the same things for three years in a league that is constantly turning over coordinators and head coaches. So I do. The biggest thing I pray about with this team going forward is that they do not panic about either side of the football, no matter how ugly it's been, uh, I guess not ugly is not the right word, but how uh, under expectation it's been and give them a chance 
to still stay the course the next few years and see if this can go where we think it can go. Because I do, Andre, think the talent is there on both sides, and they can go out and draft and sign a couple more guys, easy ways to create money. I do think it's feasible, right? I do think that they, even though maybe they go 9-8, and 10-7 and seven this year, or heaven forbid, 8-9, and nine, they can still come back the next year and be the makings of a really good football team if the injury luck flips, if the schedule stuff flips, right? It's right there in front of them. Right. Jake, you that's that goes off my first answer. We cannot panic as a as a football community and change things up. That's why I brought up the 0708 teams. Um, because every guy to a man that I talked to on that 07 10 win team said, Man, if we would have got one more year, and that goes from Sil- Phil Savage, Romeo Cornell, Brady Quinn, who wasn't even the starting quarterback <laughs> that, that year, um, Sean Smith, I can like I get Joe Jurovicious, I've talked to Joe Thomas. They all said, man, if we would have kept that team together, kept the coaching staff together, we would have been in better shape than just starting all over. That, I think, is the biggest thing, is the need of patience and understanding. Um, and, 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 and I'll go to the quarterback situation. Sure, Baker has not been great. And there are times where you want him to do different things or possibly – you know, to me, when you're banged up, you try to make you try to ease, you try to do the easier things. And at times I've felt like he has forced things almost because, you know, because he hears the. I mean, he's hey, I'll give him credit. I, I always go back to the day after he was drafted. We were down at Progressive Field and it was uh, Denzel Ward and he and I'm sitting in the middle of him I'm interviewing him. And I'll never forget Jake saying to him, I was like, hey, man, you've always said you've played with a chip on your shoulder. You've used that through high school, throughout college. Uh, I go, but you're the Heisman Trophy winner and you're the number one pick in the draft. What the hell kind of chip are you going to have on your shoulder now? And Denzel laughed. I laughed. He chuckled and stopped and said, don't worry, I'll find one. And if you know Baker, that that's Baker, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I feel like this year has been like he's almost searching for that chip. And and at times maybe it's maybe it's us. Maybe it's the fans. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's people's dads, What whatever. And really – I can see where it comes from because of injury. And when you're injured and let's be honest, money is a part of all of this. Nobody, none of these guys are playing for free. They love the game. They want to get paid the best they possibly can. But I think the best thing you can do for Baker and for Kevin Stefanski and for the left tackle and, and the, and the left guard and right guard, because you still have the two best guards in football and you, and, and with healthy, you still got the best line. The best thing you could do is you round these guys back up after the last five games and you you stare, you get you say, hey, everybody get healthy. Everybody get right. We're going to go back to the drawing board and we're in a little bit like what they did at the bye last year. And I hope they're able to do that with the bye this year. But I think it's so difficult with Baltimore being the first team out of the shoot and you just played them. But you simplify things and you go back to what you do best. Mm-hmm. You cut the fat, right? You cut the fat. Like, I know everybody's been complaining about using three tight ends so much. Well, I think that goes back to our talk about the tackles being banged up all season long. Um, and that goes back to the receivers not being as explosive and being hurt. So this is kind of how you cover things up. Well, they may not be able to do that this Sunday with both the two of the three tight ends banged up or, or sick. Yeah. But now, Jake, you know this. You go back to, you know, like I've heard people will play both the running backs together. Well, if you do that, is that the best scenario for your quarterback? You know, is that is that the best way to protect your quarterback? Yep. Is that the best way to protect the receivers that are going to be running routes where the teams are going to be able to go? All right, they put both the running backs in. I'm gonna put a safety up and put eight in the box because you can't. You can only run so many deep routes if you got two tailbacks in the game. Um, I just want to see Kevin Stefanski go back to being make simplifying things for Baker um, because I want to see Baker get back to having 
because this is something you know, and like I, I say this because I I've watched you break down film. There's something different that I see in Baker when he goes to the line of scrimmage and he doesn't have to look around a ton and he just goes up there with the confidence of I like the play call, I know the play call, and I know where I'm going because where your safety's standing. Yeah, I haven't seen that guy that much this year. You may have, but I haven't. And he's I not, he's not having game. fun. He's not having no, fun. I don't no. think there's any any evidence of like uh, th- these guys having a good time this year i almost think in and not to equate to the two sports you cover but i think it's it's relevant he obviously has a contract looming he has a lot of things in his future that are just that were in uh, a ways off and now all of a sudden they're in his lap and for it's sure. like it's like um you know jose getting off to an <laughs> 0 for 55 start or exactly. or like darius garland going over his first 20 from three and then you start to aim you start to press you try to make one throw that covers 120 yards and six touchdowns to get your stat line back these guys want to do well they, they there's no doubt he started to feel the pressure of a poor start and has started to really like press, try to do too much, try to make that one home run throw when it's like, hey man, take what's in front of you, take what they're giving you, and it'll all work itself out. So to your point, I hope that the bye week, the time away, refreshes them the way it refreshed them last year. I know this year it's much later, it's a little different, but they do have five games to completely flip the narrative here. And if they win four or five or even hell, five of five, we're not talking about six and six ever again. We're talking about the playoffs and how they how they figured it all out and they're heroes again. So listen, this has been great. I, I would say I would say even for this is me, you know, I'm I'm not doing this because you're here. I've talked about it when you're not on the pod. I was you know, I'm thirty two. And I lived through the Browns' return in '99, and I was in high school for the '07 team. I, I was, I was around, but there's so many things I didn't know, and there's so many things that I forgot. And I would say for any Browns fans that are either younger than my 32 or even older, go back and listen to Brownstown. It's on Spotify, Apple Pods, everywhere. It's a Blue it's Wire right. show. And you can learn. You can learn about all these things that people went through or you maybe you didn't even know were happening when you were enjoying the Browns at whatever age you were. I think it's a great learning experience. It's so well done from everybody at the show and Andre hosting it. I really encourage you to go listen to it. And Andre, man, 20, 25 minutes of your time and a busy schedule. Um, before I let you go, I got to ask you one question, though. Cavs for real? Are they for real? Yeah, I think so. Here, the one thing I got to say about the other thing, thank you about everything about Brownstown. Go listen to it. We do. We are going to do more. There's a chance we're going to release some of the uh, some of the actual interviews, which I think will blow people away. I, I really do because we've got some long ones that, that people will be blown away by. Just to hear Phil Savage, Brady Quinn, yeah, Phil Taylor, or Phil, Phil Dawson, rather. We've got some really cool stuff um, that I think we're going to release. But the one thing I wanted to say about Baker, because you were right, He's a human being. And I think we lose track of that because we buy jerseys. We, you know, our kids are into them and we forget these are human beings. They have the same thought processes that we do. And the great ones can push that to a side, but that still means they're still human beings. The Cavs question, I absolutely believe they are not because I'm on the sideline with the games. It's how they play. It's the attitude they've taken. Um, They, they probably need another guard or another score. Um, but you know, everybody, and this is something I'm going to actually use in the game tonight, but I'll say it with you. It's been so funny because I hear everybody kind of say, Oh, the Cavs are going the backwards way about it. Everybody's going small ball and they're going tall ball. Uh, and I talked to Kobe uh, Altman about this and, and Kobe was, it laughed like, this is like five weeks ago before the last, and I go, you know, what made you, you know, draft Mobley, you know, when everybody's talking small and he let, and he goes, Andre, who won the finals last year? And I go to Milwaukee bucks and he goes, well, 
Look at their front court and tell me they're not tall. <laughs> and I got to see the Bucks up and close and personal, Jake, this past just a couple of days ago. And Lopez wasn't starting for him, but he's like seven two. Giannis is like six. I, Giannis is as big as you want. If you told me Giannis was seven foot eight, three hundred pounds, muscle, Stretch I would Armstrong, man. That yeah, when you see him in person, you're just like, that's not a human being. <laughs> like he's six <laughs> nine, and his arms go from like half court to like to the three point line. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and then even Chris Middleton is like six eight, six nine. Yeah. The point Kobe was making to me is as much as we make we talk about small ball and three point shots. The best teams are pretty tall and long and lean. The Cavs fit that. And because they're playing defense, making defense the priority, um, there are going to be some nights where we're, we're bothered because they can't get to 95. Uh, I think that's still going to be there. But I think they can hold a lot of teams to about 95. So they're going to have a really good chance. They're a young, fun team. Um, I, I, it's been a blessing to be around them. They've been a lot of fun, man. So I hope people are able to enjoy them from afar as well. Well, much like your baseball covers, the basketball stuff is top-notch, and I, I, I cannot urge you guys enough to go listen to Brownstown. It's a great way to kill some time if you're doing stuff around the house, if you're in the car, at the gym, binge whatever. The Christmas, binge it Christmas break. Your time <laughs> when you're wrapping gifts, binge it now. <laughs> it's all entertaining. Every episode is a different subject and entertaining, so well worth your time. Andre, cannot thank you enough. The listeners appreciated everything, man. We, uh, we love your, your – anytime you can visit us, we appreciate it. Anytime, Jake. I appreciate what you do, man. I've told you that before, and I mean it. So anytime, man. You know don't get me. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Hopefully you guys have a great Thursday and continue what has hopefully been a great week. The Browns have an opportunity. Keep talking about that opportunity. I have really tried to be positive this week about what is in front of the Browns, You know, the thought process behind the situations, the bye week, everything surrounding it give you some different perspectives of people close to the operations in Cleveland. And hopefully it has, I don't know, given you a little bit of life uh, to feel good about this team too, heading into such a crucial game where amazingly everything is still on the table. So that's been the goal. Hopefully you've enjoyed those three guests. We will have our usual John Colosimo podcast tomorrow, and then we will have uh, our Ravens preview on Saturday and our game day you know, game day edition on Sunday. It's all back to normal. So uh, like I said, hopefully you've enjoyed these podcasts, a a break from some of the usual stuff that we have done. I will do position by position recaps later in the year. Just felt too long into the season to do those, you know, bye week things because it's three quarters of the way through the year. We'll, we'll let that stuff play out at the end of the season, have some content to talk about there. But Again, thanks for joining today's show. Thanks for supporting the OBR, whether through website, uh, Twitch, or this podcast. Appreciate you guys so, so much. Have a great, great Thursday, and go Browns. Go Browns.